everybody. Welcome to Dispatches from the Front, a new podcast by the Random Chatter Network. This is a Band of Brothers podcast. Joining me is Captain Tom Harper. Hi, Tom. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm reporting for duty. I am not a wall tonight. That is always good to hear. Uh, hopefully, we, you'll be reporting for duty with every episode we do. <laughs> So this is a, uh, as I mentioned, a brand new podcast for the Random Chatter Network. We are going to be doing an episodic review of The Band of Brothers, which is a series by HBO. I'm sure a lot of folks out there have at least heard of it. Uh, Hopefully people have had an opportunity to watch it before. And uh, so with this, though, this is kind of our introductory episode. This is will officially be episode zero in the books. And uh, this was not going to be your typical episode zero that a lot of podcasts do. Well, there's nothing wrong with what a lot of other podcasts happen to do. Uh, This one's going to kind of be expanded a little bit more. We are going to, we are going to, you know, talk about ourselves and introduce ourselves to everyone in case you're not familiar with us. Kind of uh, talk a little bit about our, our own individual connections to Band of Brothers. And uh, we're going to kind of talk about the series at like a macro level. We figure as we get into the episodes themselves, we're really going to be digging into the individual episodes, talking about them more in a micro level. But here we have an opportunity to talk kind of big picture about things, you know, what it's about, where this story comes from, talk about some of the actors that we see through this. This thing is is massively award winning. We can talk about some of the awards that have come through. And um, there's just it's a terrific series. It's really deep. And there's just so much to talk about with it. So. I, I think uh, I think we're going to have a good time with this episode and with others, and, and hopefully there's some, uh, I think, a lot of things to learn and, and, and to look at with it. So with that, Tom, why don't we introduce ourselves to listeners, and uh, we'll, we'll start with you. Tell us some about yourself. Well, right now, I'm currently disappointed. You know, we're doing, I, I love Band of Brothers, but I was really hoping for an Ewoks Caravan of Courage podcast, <laughs> and uh, I was denied that that right so you know here we are talking about the second rate hbo show that we have band of brothers <laughs> totally that's kidding rough. that's rough <laughs> so uh, hello everyone I'm, I'm new to the uh, random chatter network but uh in any event i am actually a captain in the united states army i just got off of seven years of active duty um as a jag officer so those are the uh, attorneys in the army um I did not serve with the 101st Airborne Division. I did serve with the 3rd Infantry Division, which is a far superior uh, <laughs> army unit. Uh, you know, but real talk, uh, we, you know, folks in the army talk about the 82nd Airborne Division, that, you know, the storied uh, cousin to the 101st is that if they're the Nike of the army, then... Um, the 101st is the Adidas or the Reebok. So, and then I guess that makes the 101st, or excuse me, the 3rd Infantry Division where I, I served with, we're like the, I don't know, whatever your bargain bargain bin shoe is. <laughs> Probably like mismatched left and right. Um, but anyhow, I'm, I'm still a reservist. I'm a, a defense counsel on the reserve side. Um, and uh, I, I grew up, I, I was still in high school when Band of Brothers premiered on HBO, so it's got a special place. I watched it week by week with my dad. Um, so it was, you know, came at a really special time as I was deciding whether I was going to join the Army and enlist, uh, which I did in uh, 2003. And I, I just have really fond memories of that. 
That's great. And, and Tom, definitely thank you very much for your service. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's not the Galactic Empire or anything, but... Uh, hey, you know, every uh, every bit counts. Every bit counts. Uh, no, I, I've had... Uh, I, I have not been in the service, uh, which is really why, well, for the last few months, I've been wanting to do a Band of Brothers podcast. I've been a big fan of the series. Although I did not watch it when it first came out. I first watched it, uh, it was several years ago. Back, you know, going back a few years, didn't have HBO or anything like that. So then ended up seeing it uh, usually when it ran on on other channels at some point in time. And then uh, just really got to love it, picked up the DVD series. Uh, actually now do have HBO, so have a, a variety of ways to be able to uh, to watch the series and, and, and have. The last few years, usually during the winter, I, I kind of will binge somewhere on the holidays uh, the entire series, which is j- just 10 episodes and they are incredible episodes, folks. So, I mean, if you you could certainly spend a good full day binging these episodes, and that will take you through an entire gamut of emotions. Or you can spread it out over a few days and, and kind of, you know, spare your, your heart and your brain and your soul a little bit from, from that roller coaster. My uh, uh, So, anyway, when, when I, in thinking of wanting to do a Banner Brothers podcast, uh, I did want to have someone who is or, or, or has been with the army to, to do it with, because I think that would do it the most justice and someone who would have a little bit more of, of an insider's perspective of uh, some of the things that, that are talked about and, and, and shown and exposed and, and dealt with uh, in the series. So really, I, I definitely appreciate Tom uh, being willing to, to join me in on this. And uh, Tom actually has appeared in the Random Chatter Network uh, before, uh, going back about, oh, I think maybe five or six weeks ago, Tom joined us, uh, um, uh, myself and Lou and Eric on an episode of Echo Base. And um, and I, I the first time I actually saw Tom speak was back at Star Wars Celebration, uh, where he and Jason Fry did a panel on uh, basically the, the war aspect of star wars right tom yeah yeah it was uh quite a fun time it was jason fry was not originally on the panel we like randomly reached out to him on twitter oh really and would you know he despite it being at the same time that the last jedi trailer dropped <laughs> he decided to come and slum it with us instead so pretty pretty fun experience and also uh you know special knowing now that he ended up writing the last Jedi novelization. So anyhow, it was, it was a good time and I'm glad you were there and got some amount of enjoyment out of it. I thought we were going to have like my dad in the front row and that would be it. (laughs) No, I'll tell you, I really enjoyed it and it could have gone on for like three hours and I still would have been (laughs) totally riveted and fascinated by it because it is after all star Wars. And, and really when we talk about that military aspect of it, and I, I loved how you guys, um, really drew a lot of comparisons and talked about the analogs in everything from rank and uniform to uh, ships and, and, and other things. It was, it was fantastic. So I, I, I loved it. And um, I, I hope that it's something that you guys will continue doing. And I know you've, you've ventured into some other things for the, for the convention circuit, but uh, I, I thought it was a great presentation. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I felt, I, it was still it's still surreal to me this day. I, you know, 
look back at the email where they're like, hey, you're on the schedule. And you're like, this must be a one big April Fool's joke. <laughs> Uh, so I guess uh, a little bit about me. Um, I have been podcasting with the Random Chatter Network since uh, actually just after Celebration. Uh, around May, I think, is, is when I started of last year. So I am uh, I still consider myself pretty green, although I am uh, regularly on the Random Chatter uh, show, the, kind of the, the you know, flagship show, if you will, of, of the network. Uh, I'm on uh, Echo Base, and I am on Movie Rampage. Uh, and now now this, uh, with, with Dispatches from the Front. Um, I do a little bit of production stuff here and there. Again, I'm still, I still consider myself pretty green, still learning a lot of it, but very much enjoying it and uh, getting a chance to talk about things that I really enjoy with uh, other you know, like-minded people who also enjoy these things. And I think it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. If you're green, I'm I'm still a seedling in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am not without any particular connection uh, to the military. I I, I work um, disaster management professionally. Uh, I actually spent six years as uh, civilian military with the state national guard doing that work, uh, and even past that time, have done a lot of work with national guards. Uh, around the country with different states. I've had the pleasure of getting to brief a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Um, I've gotten to do some briefings at NORTHCOM with a room filled of, with generals and admirals and such, and that was insanely intimidating. Um, so I've, I've, I've gotten to do a lot of work uh, domestically with, uh, with the military, and, and it's always an incredible and wonderful experience to, to, to get to work with them. So... Um, also, a little bit of time. Obviously, Band of Brothers really focuses on the European theater of World War II. And uh, my maternal grandfather was born in Poland. And he actually spent some time in a uh, German work camp as, as Poland was, was taken over wow. by, uh, by the Nazis. Spent some time in a German war camp as a teenager. Uh, he and a buddy of his managed to escape. And uh, they kind of worked their way west and uh, hid in uh, farmhouses and, and, and that kind of stuff, slept in barns, and uh, eventually kind of ended up meeting up with the U.S. as they were liberating Europe, uh, moving east. Worked for, and uh, in, in what's, I think, I believe still a fairly common program. Um, Tom, you may know, we're, we're essentially local folks are able to put in some work time uh, with the United States military and that will help gain them passage. DOD then coordinates with the State Department to find sponsor families and that kind of thing. That's incredible. Uh, my grandfather uh, did that. He, he worked for uh, uh, for the Army in Germany for, for a few years and um, made his way here to the U.S. and, and uh, was a, a pretty successful uh, dairy farmer. Uh, after uh, kicking around the country a little bit, doing some different things, I, I actually uh, my wife and I took over the the old farmhouse. So yeah, so that's you know that that's kind of my connection to it. And I've always been fascinated with a lot of stuff in uh, World War II, uh, particularly European theater. Um, read a lot of books on it. Have a lot of interest in it. And and that said, I, I definitely want to make sure folks know that neither Tom nor I are touting ourselves as experts. 
in any way. So, you know, we may tell things as, as we know them, as we have read, and, and, and even with that, we <laughs> might happen to cite something wrong or incorrectly. Uh, we appreciate you being gentle with us if we do. We're, we're not here to be historians. We're here to talk about something that has its roots in entertainment, even though it is based on real events and real people, we're going to kind of talk about the the history of Band of Brothers itself. But uh, there's some literary license taken at, at several levels. So it still is technically historical fiction, but there's definitely a lot of respect to be given to it because there were a lot of real events and real people that this was the series was based on. Yeah, and I, I think, Tim, you, you hit the nail right on the head. And that's what really drew me to, to doing this with you is... You know, some of my favorite podcasts out there aren't, you know, these authoritative, definitive style podcasts where you're getting just, uh, you know, information by the fire hose that's all, I mean, you know, college lecture style. Um, it's just <laughs> folks that enjoy something that are talking about it, whether it's, you know, Star Wars Rebels, The Last Jedi, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. It's just mm-hmm. fun hearing like-minded folks that are interested in a property. And when you, when you, talk to me about this idea i hadn't heard anybody that's that's picked up and talked about this show i mean it's crazy to me as we sit here that the show is what 17 years old i mean that's insane yeah um, yeah and you know the idea of of talking to you about it and just recording it not as a, a history lesson and a uh, or a world war ii lesson for folks but just as a you know two fans of the the show and the period discussing and breaking it down and talking about you know what the show meant to us particular pieces about the episode navigating that mm-hmm. that you know that pathway that was really interesting to me and I, I hope the folks that are tuning in and listening to this are tuning in for the same reasons so you know if we do flub something which is probably going to happen I'll, I'll i'll sprinkle in some fake facts here <laughs> and we'll just see if you know people can catch them i don't know um yeah, so yeah, it's just going to be a fun ride, I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I agree, and we're we're just going to have a good time talking about it. Um, once we kind of get toward the end of the episode, and we do a closing. If you're a random chatter listener, you're pretty familiar with how we do our closings here. We'll talk about how you can get a hold of Tom and I in places like Twitter. Um, we actually already opened up a discussion channel in uh, Random Chatter's Discord where you can find us, and, and I, I, I opened that up uh, a few days ago. And a lot of people were scratching their heads because it was just labeled uh, dispatches from the front. And I gave no information whatsoever. So there's a little bit of speculation. <laughs> Yesterday, I did give folks a, a sneak preview. Eric does a, a an audio blog, usually a couple times a week, which goes uh, only to our Patreon donors. And so I kind of hijacked his audio blog. And within that, along with a couple of other pieces of news, mentioned exactly what this was. So our Patreon donors, if they listen to the audio blog, they know, they know, and they're waiting. <laughs> and uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about where folks can find Band of Brothers. And, and some folks have listened to it, or some folks have watched it before, some folks haven't. Um, again, it is uh, an HBO series. If you subscribe to HBO through you know, your cable or dish provider or whatever, it, it, it's in there. 
It's in HBO streaming library. You can find it. And we would definitely love if you like us, because really what we're going to do, even though Tom and I have seen the series a bunch of times, we're going to watch an episode of that and record an episode of this and then watch an episode of that and record an episode of this. So it's fresh in our minds. And we're really going to, like I said, dig into it and talk about the, the, the characters and the settings and, and what they're doing and what's going on and, and all that good stuff. You can also get it on DVD and Blu-ray. You can get the whole set, and because it's been out for a while, it's reasonably inexpensive to, to pick up. You can also get a, a, a subscription to HBO Now, which I think HBO Now is actually doing some kind of like free promotion. I'm not sure. I thought we talked about this in Random Chatter a couple weeks ago, but I don't remember. So, so you get the free the free preview if they have that and then you just binge this thing straight exactly. one weekend and then you jump <laughs> off the ship that's the way to yeah <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah ch- ch- check check that out go to go to hbo now because that's their streaming service and you don't have to even have a cable subscription or anything to to do that and uh and yeah you you can jump in there and, and and be able to watch again these these episodes from there too so it's also worth checking out your local library uh if if any of oh, you guys have ever you know rented a dvd or some libraries have blu-rays these days the great thing about mm-hmm. band of brothers is it's it's been out long enough and there's enough both historical and sort of general knowledge interest in the show that uh most libraries that i've been in uh, do have a copy of it. So it's worth checking out and just, you know, if you're renting episode by episode, if they check out a disc at a time, you can kind of listen along with us and, and know that we're watching these shows as this podcast is being recorded, which is really fun. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it, I mean, we're both Tom and I are making family events out of it. Um, both of our wives uh, are, are excited about about watching it, you know, my wife has watched this series with me a few times, and but like now that I'm doing this, she wants to pay attention to it a little bit more. She she teaches a uh, a, a college film course. Uh, she's a college dean, and she picks up some some courses here and there as well. And she teaches a, a a college level film course, so that has her looking at things like this in in this particular medium with a little bit more of a critical eye and. Since she's started teaching that course, she hasn't watched it, so she's really interested to to kind of dig into it a little bit more. And, and uh, I'm sure that there's certain ideas and thoughts that she comes up with that we'll end up discussing that I'll then end up kind of bringing into this podcast, which which will be good. That's fine. My wife is on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. So she was an army officer, still is an army officer to this day. Both of us were in the JAG court together. The background on my phone is her and the turret of an Abrams tank, but she's she's only seen maybe one one and a half episodes of Band of Brothers. She never saw them hit D Day, so I, you know she watches some of the training portion up front, but never sees them into the series. So it's going to be her first time navigating through, and I'm going to try to. I haven't watched the series in a while, uh, so I you know I'm I'm definitely interested to see what kind of changes you know, in perspective I have, but I'll also try to bring in some fun stuff from her as, uh, as you know, we watch it together. Absolutely. I, I think it'll be great. And I think it'll actually also be interesting to see. I, it, it could feed some, some interesting discussion topics for us, particularly since, you know, hopefully we'll have some listeners who are first time viewers of it. 
you'll have the opportunity to dialogue with your wife on her experience as a first time watcher. Oh yeah. And see what her reactions are and what her emotions are and that kind of stuff as she goes through it, which I think will also kind of fuel some of our discussion here. So I, I think that that could be real interesting. Uh, so let's see a little bit on, Oh, one thing I do want to throw out there be, before we continue too far, a uh, little bit of, of a language notice. Uh, most of the shows across the Random Chatter Network are branded as as family-friendly. With this kind of going along the same lines as um, what Liz and I do with Movie Rampage, which is we talk about movies that are rated PG-13 or rated R, and that's where some of our language may also go. Kind of figuring that if folks are going to be watching those movies or this series then they're probably going to be okay with our language. And not that Tom and I are going to be going out of our way to drop F-bombs all the time. Um, in fact, we'll probably even try to stray away from the F-bombs. Uh, but there may be some other, you know, words that end up flying out there. So we, I just kind of want to couch that and put that out front that, you know, this may very well not be family friendly. It, it, it is, this is a series on war. And the series gets incredibly gritty and real and talks about a lot of topics that are they're uncomfortable they should be uncomfortable it's it's war <laughs> you know i mean there's just simply no way around it so we are going to look at a lot of these different things we're going to talk about the morality of certain actions and certain choices and why things happen and how things happen so you know it's it's the series and i don't mean to discourage any from anyone from watching the series it is definitely not for the faint of heart, but it's also, you know, it's not gratuitous blood and guts violence either. It's it's real, but they're, they, they go out of their way to tell a story versus get into, you know, blown off limbs and that kind of stuff. You see a little bit of that, but um, oh, Tom, do you want to add anything there? Yeah, I would say so if you've to, to put it in perspective, if you're a fan of World War Two movies and you're new to Band of Brothers, you, you've never come across it up to now. I would put on on one end you've got um, oh, what's the the most recent movie about Desmond Dawes uh, the the medic and it, at Iwo oh, um, Hacksaw Ridge Hacksaw Ridge on one end that is mm-hmm. a very bloody graphic movie Oof. from from yeah. start to finish I mean it is yep. you know forget language so that's that's one end of the spectrum. Uh, and then something like The Longest Day, you know, the iconic World War II movie with a mm-hmm. bunch of like 1950s, 1960s Hollywood style deaths. We'll put that on the other yeah. end. Uh, you know, I would put <laughs> and then, you know, set Saving Private Ryan somewhere on the, you know, on the end a little closer to Hacksaw Ridge. Not mm-hmm. as graphic as, as even some of the scenes in Saving Private Ryan, but I would put it in the neighborhoods somewhere. Some episodes get uh you know fairly real and you've got a lot of the same yeah. folks that worked on saving private ryan behind this series so i you know they're doing it understand to to do justice to the reality that you know these folks faced but it's not none of it's gratuitous and you know i think i can speak for for tim and i we're not going to go full george carlin to <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> no like you know just for laughs or whatever. So where it's appropriate, you know, that's, that's fine. If you've seen the show, there's plenty of like levity throughout, but uh, yeah, you know, so if, if you're trying to get a gauge for it, it's, 
somewhere in the neighborhood of Saving Private Ryan. Maybe not quite as graphic at points. Yeah, and and it's good that you mentioned Saving Private Ryan because that was a cinematically it was an influence in this. Saving Private Ryan was uh, uh, produced by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg prior to doing Band of Brothers, and they realized that there was a fantastic story to be told here. Tom Hanks, from from what I hear, is is a, a bit of a World War II buff himself, and um, probably had a lot of interest sparked from uh, Stephen Ambrose's book, which is titled Band of Brothers. So that's really where the foundation of all this comes from. Now, Ambrose's book is essentially based upon interviews correspondence and in another fact finding that he did with a bunch of the people who he wrote about so he had kind of some you know first or 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 second hand information and stories and he he you know wrote about this group through their journey and we'll talk a little bit about who this group is so you know like, like we kind of said they're they're is a little bit of, of literary license that was taken by Ambrose, obviously, when he wrote his book, because he had to... Uh, I'm not going to say he altered stories, but he had to make it readable. You know, you, you can't just write a book that's a collection of letters, because then, well, okay, just get the photocopier and put it in there, and then let people <laughs> read letter for letter. And there's actually a lot of books. I, I have a few of them that are based on that. They're solely based on correspondence between soldiers... Uh, who were deployed and their families at home. And, and, and those letters are absolutely incredible uh, alone. And there's a lot of insight to, to be seen there. But Ambrose wrote his book to be more of a uh, cohesive story. As I'm sure a lot of folks know, you can't just directly take a book and say, hey, we're going to make a movie out of this. We have a book. We don't have to write a script. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to write a screenplay. You have to write a script. So then that's a further adaptation of the book. And then sometimes when you're doing that, you are then kind of combining certain characters and, and roles or, or, or moving some events around a little bit to, to make it better in that medium. And so, it, you know, you, you have several translations kind of of the same story. So, again, that's, that's what makes this a, a historical fiction, uh, even though a lot of it is, is, is considerably accurate. So... So Hanks and Spielberg uh, are the executive producers, or they're amongst the executive producers of Band of Brothers. Uh, Tom Hanks actually uh, does direct uh, an episode later in the series, I think episode five. Tom Hanks' son, we're going to talk about some of the cast and and crew here later. Uh, But Tom Hanks' son uh, does appear in a couple of episodes as well. Tom Hanks also makes an uncredited cameo. Um, in in the uh, in the series later on, so it's uh, it, it's definitely got some some power behind it, uh, which is which is just really cool. Tom, do you want to talk about uh, since since you are much better versed than I am in uh, some of the the military lingo, uh, particularly organizationally? Tell us about who is the the, the focal point here um, for this story. So here's where it's so tempting to throw out some of those fake facts and just throw people off. <laughs> and for for anybody that anybody that served out there, it's it's all done in in jest. It's I, I think within the army, within any branch of service, it's like 
any other organization, you sort of make fun of it, you know, because you're a part of it and you rib each other as part of it. So I, you know, I would first like to say that the 101st Airborne Division or in the Army as they're known, like the worst division, the toilet division. I'm, I'm totally kidding, of course. <laughs> no, I, you know, 101st Airborne, I, I think it's probably a good starting point to talk about what some of the, just basically what some of this terminology means, because the the folks you see in Band of Brothers, the characters there, that's not, they're not the, uh, the entire 101st Airborne division, just like you watch uh, Saving Private Ryan and Tom Hanks isn't leading the entire group of army Rangers, you know, on their little mission. So, um, what you see in band of brothers is, is echo company. So, uh, what that is, what a company is, it's a small size unit, a fragment of the larger 101st Airborne Division. The division is, you know, several thousand soldiers strong. Um, you know, probably, uh, I don't have the, the stats in front of me, but probably, you know, uh, I would say 20,000 or, or probably even larger that the, you know, World War II sized divisions are very different than how they're composed now. Um, Echo Company would have been comprised of four different what they call platoons. And a platoon is made up of four squads. And so I'm like explaining it by giving more terms that need definitions. But the squad is is probably one of the most basic levels of a you know an army unit or a military unit. A squad is going to be about 12 men, 12 soldiers, you know, now 12 men at the time. Now it's it's all integrated. Uh, 12 folks uh, that can vary a little bit. Four squads typically make up a platoon, and that's led by usually a second or a first lieutenant. Four platoons will make up a company. So when you're talking a company, you're talking, um, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, 120, 150 soldiers, give or take. Uh, and, you know, I went into the JAG Corps for a reason because I'm not. A mathematician, but you've got generally <laughs> that number of soldiers. So that should give you a perspective. So what we're looking at in, in Band of Brothers is a really intimate slice of the 101st Airborne. Uh, and, and Echo Company is a segment of its own unit. So 2nd Battalion, 506th Infantry Regiment. So if you look at an organizational chart today showing the 101st Airborne, they've got subordinate units that fall under them. So, you know, an infantry brigade, an aviation brigade with their attack helicopters, and then those units have their own subordinate units. So we really fall, you know, pretty far down the tree. And and while these guys wear the Screaming Eagle patch, just understand that they're uh, just a small segment. And so it's good for, for the storytelling purposes because, a movie about the entire 101st Airborne Division or a 10-part miniseries would be – it'd be a Ken Burns documentary. Like we're not <laughs> going to have any like intimate look. But yeah. the way they chose to, to just really dial it in enables them to focus on individual characters within this, uh, this group of 130, uh, you know, 140 folks. Cool. And so you, you mentioned uh, Echo Company, uh, which is uh, – Echo is, is the, the formal – uh, military fanatic, but yeah, they call themselves Easy Company. You'll see, you'll see uh, different variations used. So uh, you know, when I say Echo, you're talking like the normal phonetic alphabet mm-hmm. that's used 
even outside the military, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, mm-hmm. Delta, and on down the line. But you'll see more informal versions of that used, especially, and even to these days. So, like, instead of Delta, you might get Dog Company, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my um, my basic training company, like the company that I belong to, we were Bone Company. It's just whatever the moniker is. Sometimes it aligns with a particular like mascot of the unit or something like that. Otherwise, other times it's just, you know, gives you your own identity outside that phonetic alphabet. Ah, okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, so obviously, as we mentioned, this is World War II European theater. Uh, the, the series starts off with Easy Company's basic training in Georgia. They were at Camp Tacoa. Mm-hmm. Camp Tacoa no longer exists as an active duty installation. Okay. If you're familiar with Georgia, um, Atlanta is is near the western border of Georgia. It sits probably what you know, 45 minutes to an hour uh, from Alabama, give or take. If you were to go 90 miles, sort of northeast slightly. Uh, up into the mountains of North Georgia, you would hit Camp Tacoa, or what was Camp Tacoa at the time. That's where Easy Company trains uh, during this. And so that, you know, if you're wondering how there was a mountain that they had to run up in some of these early training episodes, that's because the base sat there. The modern Army uh, Parachute School sits at Fort Benning, which is about uh, an hour southwest of Atlanta. It sits essentially right on the border with Alabama. I mean, you could throw a rock and it would go into uh, Phoenix City, Alabama. Gotcha. And that's where that's where the Army does all of its uh, parachutist training. Unlike, so the, the modern 101st Airborne Division is what they call an air assault uh, unit. So mm-hmm. they ride in on helicopters and whatnot. Um, the main air assault school is at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where the 101st is currently headquartered. They'll have satellite air assault schools at different locations around uh, the continental United States Mm -hmm. uh, and elsewhere. There's only one airborne school, and that's at Fort Benning. Cool. Okay. So, yeah, so this starts uh, with with their basic in in Georgia. Uh, They then end up shipping out to England, where they await the day uh, invasion. Well, the, the, the landings uh, obviously come in by way of sea at Normandy. Uh, these are 101st Airborne. They're paratroopers, which is a, a brand new concept in World War II. It's not something that was done in any significant scale in, in wartime. And uh, it, it's a very interesting tactic. You know, you, you kind of have to wonder how they were recruiting this. They, actually, I know how they were recruiting this. They were offering uh, double pay. <laughs> for these soldiers. And, and the premise is essentially, we're going to put you up in the airplanes, we're going to give you parachutes, we're going to fly you behind enemy lines, and you're going to parachute in to a location where you will be completely and fully surrounded by the enemy, and you are going to act as a disruptor, essentially. Uh, I mean, is is there any other way <laughs> to put that, Tom? No, and what's amazing is you'll hear, you know, a lot of these kids, they're kids, right? Yeah. They're 18, they're 19, yeah. and, they don't, and they don't think about any of that stuff. Yeah, they don't think about any of that stuff. They're thinking about, hey, this is a few extra bucks in my pocket that I can send back or that, yep. you know, I can use when all this gets out. And there's no, like today, you can, you can think carefully about, you know, do I want to join an airborne unit? What does it mean to jump out of an airplane? At mm-hmm. the time, there was 
there was nothing like that. There was not skydiving. There, there wasn't anything like this. Yep. So they're just getting this really insane military concept described to them. And oh, by the way, you get a you know fifty or a hundred extra bucks a month. Oh yeah, sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and it's a, you know it, it, a lot of these kids figured, hey, we're we, we have to serve anyway. And when someone said, well, you can either serve and we're just going to put you wherever, or we can give you more money and we'll have you jump out of an airplane. <laughs> and like you said, that that was that was pretty much the selling point for him, which was just so interesting. And so obviously they they parachuted into France, uh, and we'll we'll talk about the episode that covers that. Uh, they went onward to Holland during Operation Market Garden, which was uh, an abysmal shit show. <laughs> And then uh, we followed them into Belgium, uh, into uh, uh, the Ardennes and, and, and Bastogne, which is, those are incredible episodes. Uh, just just absolutely amazing the what they did there with the story and with the direction and the filming and such. Uh, and then on to Germany. And uh, they, they really had a, a, a you know, heck of a progression. You get very attached to a lot of the characters which is obviously one of the tougher emotional things. I mean, you, you see some of these characters just progress so much and when we're introduced to them in the first couple episodes. They, they really are just kids. And by the time the series wraps up, those that survive are, are men. They've been through so much. They've seen so much. And uh, it's just an incredible story arc for, for them as individuals. And I think that, that's one of the most compelling things about this story because it does, again, as a reflection of uh, Stephen Ambrose's book, it reflects on every single one of these soldiers as individuals and the camaraderie that they form, thus the, the, the name Band of Brothers. So we kind of uh, you know, did a little bit of research ahead of this uh, just to kind of figure out, just to, I guess kind of put some of this in some context uh, some interesting things in terms of the the making of this miniseries. Tom, do you want to you want to go through some of these? Yeah, and and some of this stuff, you know, I was learning. I didn't know at the time, even when I was watching the show. And so, some of this is actually pretty interesting facts. I, the The first couple episodes debuted as a, a two parter on HBO, mm-hmm. and my HBO history is foggy, but. This was one of the first shows that I can ever remember watching where HBO was in the TV production business. I mean, to me, as I grew up, you know, I'm 33 now, uh, so I grew up mainly in the 90s. Um, HBO was always, it was the movie channel, right? So, you know, if if you weren't able to rent anything at Blockbuster, and for us, we weren't, uh, we didn't, I said, HBO is going to send me a bill when I say this, but like for some reason we had like a free trial of HBO and they just never cut it off. And so my dad would would always talk about how, you know, we were getting real lucky and he wasn't going to tell the cable company. But, you know, that was always the channel that you would go where, you know, they would get the movies early. There was no digital streaming or digital download. There was no going to Best Buy or Target and buying these DVDs. Mm -hmm. Um, You were either renting it at Blockbuster if you could go or you'd catch it on HBO. And, you know, all when I was growing up, they didn't have their own TV shows. I can't remember if it's like Rome, their first big production. I, I don't know if that predated 
or if, if I'm even naming that show right. But uh, yeah, I think Rome came before this, um, and unfortunately, that might have been their first big one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, and Rome got cut after the second season because the production the production costs were just too high. Yeah, they, they, the the folks the folks behind Game of Thrones are like, here, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, and so you, you, you talk about cost. I mean, they had a, a miniseries budget budget here of $120 million and that, you know, talk about, uh, budgets these days. I'm, I'm sure that game of Thrones or some of the, the series like altered carbon, if you watch that on Netflix, I mean, that's $120 million. They're probably blinking by these days, but at the time, even if you forget adjusting for inflation, that's a huge amount. I mean, this was like you know, motion picture type budget. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, that at least in my memory, that was unheard of for a TV production mm-hmm. and it shows, I mean, I, I remember watching this show as a high schooler um, and I was blown away by the quality. I mean, I, you know, if in 1997, when saving private Ryan came out, that was my frame of reference for like a high quality, Yep. High production war movie, mm-hmm. and this matched that production. I mean, if you lay, if you played those side by side on TV screens, you're not seeing much difference in in quality. Yep. I mean, you know. So anyhow, ten ten episodes total. Um, so you, you're looking at a really high. If you were to split that budget evenly across the board, I mean, that's an insane budget for each each episode. Um, interestingly. They had a massive set, so they filmed on twelve acres. Uh, you know, you think about the average residential house probably sits on 0. 0.4 to 0. 0.6 acres. If you're talking <laughs> about something in a subdivision, mm-hmm. so you're talking about like an entire neighborhood that they were using to film this. And if you've ever been to any kind of uh, you know studio, if you've gone out to LA and taken like a studio tour, lots of fun. Yeah, movies, movies and TV shows. Despite what it seems like, they shoot on a very small area. I mean, I, you know, something like, you know, I'll take um, Big Bang Theory. If you're a mm-hmm. Big Bang watcher, they shoot on one soundstage effectively, and occasionally they'll go out onto the Warner Brothers lot and shoot some pickup shots outside. Mm-hmm. But you're ta- if you crammed all of that space together, it would fill. You know, all of their filming and all the places they seem to be sits maybe in the the footprint of one house. Um, Band of Brothers shot on probably you know something the size of you know a good chunk of the Warner Brothers lot, and they were continually adjusting the set uh, to fit. And I think it it shows right. You you watch these these episodes, you believe you're in the Ardennes, you believe you're uh, in Holland in the middle of Market Garden. Uh, so it speaks to the the real commitment to quality there. Oh yeah, ten thousand extras or so were involved in this. That's insane. I, and I mean, I've never, never gone out for for anything like that. But that's that's an insane amount of extras when you're talking about a war movie and not, or a war show and not some of these. You know, it's not like they're casting just a big crowd of you know people fleeing or something like that. They had over 500 speaking roles, which um, you know that's going to be interesting to see where all those lines are coming through as are coming from as we rewatch this stuff. Um, a lot of script writing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and interesting, we talk about sets. The the Arden Forest, so that's the forest that's in the Battle of the Bulge. That's where the Battle of Bulge, 
Battle of the Bulge is fought. Uh, that was actually built in an airplane hangar, and they used both real and, and fake trees and fake snow. And so they had a, a behind-the-scenes, I don't know if it was a special feature just on the DVD or if they did this uh, as like a featurette when the show was airing. I don't remember watching any of them. I do remember watching the behind-the-scenes of the Battle of the Bulge filming, mm-hmm. and the the attention to detail and the scale that went into creating these uh, you know these scenes for for just those what two three episodes uh, yeah I mean not even two full episodes it's unreal uh, you know so this this show really set a new bar uh, you know it was the Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones was Game of Thrones in terms <laughs> of you know blowing everything else out of the water yeah. There's actually some really good for for folks that are interested. Uh, I know there is there's some behind the scenes stuff in the Blu-ray set. I think that kind of accompanies the individual episodes. There are also some things you can find on YouTube. So if you just go to YouTube and Google Band of Brothers, you'll come up with anywhere from half hour long things to you know five, six, ten minute long uh, films or, or features that are in there that gives some behind the scenes uh, things on Band of Brothers and really fascinating. They'll throw at you a lot of the same facts and figures that, that we just did. Cause that's where I got them from. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, you know what they did and, you know, they had their, their costume department, uh, obviously not only dealing with uniforms and, and needing to make those accurate, but also dealing with civilian clothing. Uh, as they, you know, made their way into French towns and, and German towns and that kind of stuff. So they had to, uh, they actually used vintage, uh, authentic vintage clothing to, to do a lot of that. They obviously had a lot of armament. Uh, they had, you know, the, the M1 Garin rifle, which was the typical inf- inf- uh, infantryman's rifle, uh, along with a whole assortment of, of other things, everything from handguns to fifty caliber uh, machine guns and, and and all sorts of other things. They talk in one of the features uh, about uh, actually taking a couple of tanks that were used in Saving Private Ryan and uh, converting those tanks. Uh, they basically had you know a, a machine shop uh, for this, and and you know they had folks who were doing cutting and welding and all sorts of things. Uh, and actually, full automotive stuff. They were they actually relocated the engines in inside of these uh, inside of these chassis. But they had a couple of tanks from Saving Private Ryan, uh, which were uh, Russian tanks from World War II, which got mocked up in Saving Private Ryan. And then in um, in Band of Brothers, they did some further conversion of them. And so they were mocked up as as tigers. They were mocked up as as other different tanks. Leave it to the Russians to build the tanks that are like still in running shape yeah. and have to be converted <laughs> into the American and the German tanks. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, some really incredible attention to detail that they that they did. Uh, you know, like the the Russian tank would have you know five wheels within its you know series of of cogs, and they said, well, but we we you know the 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 tiger has six or this particular tank that that we wanted to mock up had six so we just cut it up and extended it 
I, I really, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. And they had, you know, functioning mechanically functioning tanks, at least. I mean, obviously everything that was, um, anything that was shot out of them was, was special effects and such, but, uh, mechanically functioning tanks that the turrets would work and, and these things would roll just absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, you, you, you think about this 12 acre set that they worked in and, you know, across the series, they hit every season, every season of the year. They had night shots. They had day shots. There, uh, there was a river in in one episode where there was a, a, a village that straddled the river, and one side of the river was uh, Nazi occupied, and the other side was Allied occupied. So this river went through this this twelve acre set. This airplane hangar was on this 12-acre set. They had a a village that they continually changed and modified and reconstructed to make it fit the different areas that they were in. So it might have been the English village that they were in earlier in the series while they were waiting to be uh, uh, deployed for D-Day. Or it could have been later on in the series a German village. And, you know, just incredible. They, you know, made some changes to the architecture and, and... it's you 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 watch it and you don't realize that they're the same and so it's all about set design and and camera angles and that kind of stuff and it's just incredible absolutely incredible uh there were open field areas uh that were used for shooting and um you know so obviously on on 12 acres they were able to have a fair amount of flexibility and, and, and do a lot of things with it so really really neat stuff really neat stuff there are obviously this uh, this was an award-winning series this has been nominated for you know uh, let's see here right off of Wikipedia series was nominated for 20 primetime Emmys won seven of them which is really fantastic uh, one outstanding miniseries an outstanding directing for a miniseries movie or dramatic special won a Golden Globe for best miniseries or motion picture made for television. American Film Institute Award for TV Movie or Miniseries of the Year, Producers Guild of America Award for Outstanding Producer of Long-Form Television. Just absolutely incredible litany of uh, things that it was nominated for and, and, and obviously some, some really terrific wins. A lot of the wins were early, were for, for early on if they uh, were awarded for specific episodes, but some of them you know do go through all the way to the end, so... Uh, definitely deserving for some of the amazing stuff that they did in this. Yeah, I think it's beyond the pat on the back that it is to all the hard work for the the uh, you know the cast and crew that brought this to life. I think it it's a testament to their commitment to really do this story justice. You know, we talk about literary license, and you know they're they're molding and shaping stuff. You know, for the film medium, obviously, but you know, at its core, are a bunch of people from the the carpenters to the pyrotechnics experts to the actors themselves and directors who really want to do justice by these folks that uh, really, really tremendously sacrificed. And you know, I think it it shows in every single episode. Oh, it sure does. It sure does. Uh, so it, it does have a really incredible and and oftentimes surprising cast. I mean, there are people. It's great if if you if you have not watched it watching the series is 
it, it's really interesting because if you're into film and, and you're you're into TV stuff, you're going to say, I know that guy. I know that guy from <laughs> the Orville. Uh, you know, the 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 Star Trek spoof uh, from Seth MacFarlane. There's there's you know an, an actor who's who's in that from this. I'm blown away looking at this list. I'm like, like I definitely didn't pick up on any of these. Well, many of these folks when I first watched it. Tom Hardy, Simon Pegg. Yeah, and so James like Mac- keeping in mind that this was shot in. Uh, well, I mean, it was released in September 2001, so I mean, it was probably shot in in you know 2000. A lot of these actors were a lot younger then. It was early in in their careers for a lot of them. Uh, so this was. I don't know if it was a first role for many of them, but certainly an early role. And, and you know, just kind of funny in the connections that we make. Tom, do you want to kind of go through the list and we'll we'll talk about some of the ones that we see both prominently throughout the series and even some who just kind of have little cameos or walk-ons, but it, they're just notable. Yeah, so probably the, the three that I think jump out to folks the most, or if you were just to say Banner Brothers and th- like images pop into your head of characters, you've got uh, Captain Sobel, who's the original company commander when they start <laughs> at the start of the series, played by none other than uh, Ross Geller. That's right. <laughs> or David Schwimmer. Ross from Friends. Uh, and I remember at the time, it, you know, if you were a Friends fan, Friends was mm. uh, re- really ramping up, I think, 2000 2001 would have been what it's six seventh season so it was in its full stride yeah at that point and uh you know i wasn't a friend super fan but i did watch it you know with family and stuff fairly regularly and it was a little odd and and jarring to see schwimmer in this role oh yeah and he is not the nice guy that he is in in friends um no but it's fun it's a, he's a total really great asshole trail. on this he's a total it's asshole. A dick. <laughs> he's a real dick <laughs> Yeah, I sent before when we were talking about this podcast. I actually briefly served with a uh, a captain who's on active duty right now at the 82nd Airborne, who's the grandson of somebody that served with Easy Company. He's not portrayed in the show, uh, but he did fight with them. You know, a little after D-Day, he joined the unit, and uh, he's got a certificate from his grandfather's graduation from parachute school and it's got Sobel's signature on it i remember seeing it and i just instantly pictured david schwimmer's face next to the signature yeah. <laughs> uh, so and it, we'll have some fun talking about him so that's the first one that pops into mind the second one is uh dick winters so mm-hmm. winters is probably you know the main character throughout the show he ends up yeah. uh does he get promoted to lieutenant colonel by the end yes. I, I know he gets promoted to major yep so uh, Winters is probably uh, so Damian Lewis, um, who if if that name doesn't ring the bell, the face absolutely will. Uh, he's in, uh, gosh, help help me, Tim. I, I'm thinking of the show. Is it what's the oh, the one gosh. he's most recently been in? Um, he's one of those guys that you, you might not be able to know his name, but you know him from a ton of stuff. Um, he is, and then the while well, you look up yeah. that stuff, yeah, the third that at least, at least in my mind that that jumps up is uh, Lieutenant. He starts out as Lieutenant Nixon, so he's Winner's XO is executive officer, and he's played by Ron Livingston. Who, uh, if you watched or were a fan of Office Space, the the not not the Office, the show 
uh, with Steve Carell. I'm talking mm-hmm. Office Space. That what was it? Ninety. What that came in ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was the sort of the main character in that movie, um, but he plays the the EXO that sort of struggles with alcoholism and a number of other things throughout the show. But he's Winner's right hand man, and he plays a, a great character who is truly a high, generally a high functioning alcoholic. Yeah, through this, and and he he has a lot of demons. Um, and one of those demons actually is that he 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 doesn't fight. Uh, by the end of of this, he he actually reveals to Winters that he's like I've I've never made a combat jump. I, I was never you know actually in a battle. I mean he he started off as like a, a intel lieutenant, I think, mm-hmm. and always ended up kind of behind the group and would come in and would never be in the middle of combat. And and that's something I think. He was plagued by being in a combat zone, but also plagued by not being in combat and not supporting the people who he was with. And and that was a, I think that was a really tough thing for him to to deal with. Yeah, but he really I, he's one of the, my favorite characters to see. Not just his development as the show goes on, but really his relationship with winners grow and evolve. Yeah, uh, uh, you know they start out as you know not not quite peers, but uh, you, you see sort of Nixon become winner's confidant. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some, if my memory serves me right, some, some growing pains as, you know, winner's moves up the ladder rank and position wise. And Nixon, you know, kind of flounders a bit. Yeah. And Nixon um, is always right behind him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Win- Literally. Figure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, winner's gets a promotion and then a little while later, Nixon will get a promotion. Yeah, but winners always gets the promotion behind, uh, or Nixon always gets the promotion behind winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damian Lewis here, uh, real quick. So he was in Homeland for three years, yep. playing the role of Nicholas Brody, and uh, has been more recently in the series Billions. That's right. I was going to say millions, but I, I would have lowballed him. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would we have billions when we could have millions? Millions. <laughs> uh, Bobby Axelrod. Uh, he's done a number of uh, of episodes with that. So those are his his most recent part of his most recent body of work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's pretty recognizable. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, he he's done voice work for Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's 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 really funny. It's sometimes amazing to to see what um, what a lot of actors do. And we spend a lot of time in Movie Rampage, Liz and I do. When we talk about a movie, we spend so much time talking about the cast and the characters that they play. Because that just has such a a heavy influence on how the story is shaped. And obviously, in most cases, the script is written before anyone is cast. But the cast seems to weigh in so heavily. And obviously, the cast is playing the characters that are in that script. So it just becomes such a, a a very weighty type of aspect to it. So, yeah, you've you've got some. I, I'm blown away. I, I like. I don't even quite frankly remember some of these the roles some of these folks played. But you've got Tom Hardy, Michael Fassbender, Simon Pegg, James McAvoy. Um, you know, so those are those are folks that are in the like the you know prime of their movie careers, so to speak, right now. Just house 
They're household names now. Yeah, they really are. These are guys who who are playing, you know, superhero movies and Star Wars movies and and all that. So, yeah, just really, really prominent names out there right now. And then Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> before the before before Wahlburgers took off, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're all lucky because if Wahlburgers had took taken off in the late 90s we would not have been blessed with his presence in uh in band of brothers so but yeah i I, this is one of the things that i'm going to be really have a lot of fun with watching just seeing some of these cameos you know now as an adult watching this show again you know having seen a few more movies or or at least seen some of these folks since their careers have you know matured a little bit more yeah it's it's really neat um scott grimes who's uh he's been in um Quite a few things. He, he has he has quite a bit of a background. Uh, he plays Malarkey, who is another one of the central characters that we see throughout the series. Um, Scott Grimes, he's the one who I referenced recently. We see him in a completely different role in the Orville, uh, which is a you know primetime comedy, and uh, the the role that he plays in there is great. It's hilarious. It's uh, it's a great show if, if you don't watch it. Uh, I highly recommend it. They got renewed for a second season, which they didn't expect, so they they didn't start shooting it yet. Um, <laughs> they actually just uh, I, I just saw recently on social media that they just did uh, their first table read for for their first episode. They're go- so they're going to be starting the, the the shooting pretty soon. But Scott Grimes is um, he played uh, Will Scarlet in the Robin Hood with um, oh who's the actor. Kevin Cost. No, no, the other one. <laughs> That's a deep cut. The uh, the the more recent one, um, Gladiator. Who's the actor? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yes, the Russell oh. Crowe Robin Hood. So he played Will Scarlet there. Uh, Scott Grimes is, is is very much a redhead. He was uh, in Critters. <laughs> interestingly enough, both of them. I don't know why, but. He does do a lot of voice work. Uh, he's uh, done a lot of stuff. Uh, let's see, American Dad. He's been in uh, NCIS Los Angeles for uh, for a few shows. Uh, more voice work in Family Guy. He was in Justified, uh, the TV show that which which got a lot of attention. Um, and then you know, kind of the, the the variety of TV stuff that a lot of people go through. They kind of rotate into things like criminal minds and suits and NCIS and if you're an actor and you haven't appeared in one of the NCISs like yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> like you haven't made it yet <laughs> no i played a corpse in episode 27 of yeah. season 64 <laughs> oh no way me too oh you were the one on the other table oh yeah it was the dunkin donuts guy that got shot oh, yeah. okay oh cool. all right i was i was the one with one <laughs> leg and one testicle uh, <laughs> so let's see uh also on this list michael cudlitz um folks who are fans of uh the walking dead he played oh i can't remember his name we probably have listeners who are screaming at their 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 phones right now. Uh, Michael Cudlis. Oh, he, oh yeah, he was also in Gross Point Blank. That was a long time ago. Abraham, yeah, Sergeant Abraham Ford um, in in, yeah. in The Walking Dead, and he got he got killed off. 
he got bashed in by by Negan. Spoiler alert! That was like a season and a half ago, dude. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, in the, either you don't care or you need to catch up. Um. <laughs> so yeah, you know Michael Cudlitz, um, he's pretty good, and he just like looks so young in this. Um, Colin Hanks, he shows up in the later half of the season in a couple of episodes, uh, very prominently in one, and then in the next one he kind of goes away. Uh, you'll definitely notice him because he looks exactly like his father. <laughs> he really does. I mean, just, you know, he has, it, he looks like Tom Hanks from like big, you know, he's the, the tall and lanky and that facial structure and the hair and everything looks exactly like him. Uh, Jimmy Fallon of all people um, makes a brief appearance here. Um, it is in a later episode when they are on their way to the Ardennes. They basically get redirected because of the, the Ardennes offensive, which is the battle of the bulge. And uh, you know, they, they have nothing, they have no cold winter gear or anything like that. And uh, Jimmy Fallon, who's like a, a, you know, supply underling, you know, driving a Jeep down the road and, He's like, here, this is all I got. Good luck. And, uh, you know, he has a couple lines and, and that's that. So, but it's just kind of neat. He doesn't look right at the camera when he delivers the line. No. <laughs> yeah. It's not like he's doing a monologue. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of funny to, to see him, especially, you know, considering then, I mean, he was really just a, what, like an SNL comedian maybe. Yeah. So now he's a lot more prominent. And, and like I mentioned, Tom Hanks also comes in um, later in the series, uncredited as a British officer. I don't even think he has a speaking part. I think it's just kind of a, a walk by. I'm going to be looking for that. I can't remember him at all. Yeah, it's it's uh, j- just such a great cast. And I think as we hit you know the episodes, obviously, again, because the the this series is so based upon the characters uh, we're going to talk about cast and characters in every single episode that we do. Uh, we, we do, like you have to, <laughs> I don't know how, how we couldn't, I just don't know how we couldn't. So let's see. I think um, Tom, do you have anything else before we, we kind of hit our, our last thoughts here and then close things out? No, you've got me wanting to go just binge this thing all night right now. Just get way ahead of get ahead of the game. Yeah, not yet. The Olympics are still closing out, and and I've I've got a. I know. Uh, actually, just a Gosh. little while ago, the the gold medal hockey game started. So it's I'm I'm probably going to stay up way later than I should, and and I'm going to watch that, <laughs> which is a very surprising game because Germany actually is in the gold medal game. It's amazing. I can't watch it without NHL players in it. But oh, see, that's another podcast. That is another podcast, but I have to counter. I am so happy that NHL players are not in it. So happy. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> um, so it kind of alluded to it before, what to expect here in this podcast. Uh, you're going to get our takes and impressions and plot lines, characters, that kind of stuff. A lot of it is just going to kind of be free form. And we're going to, you know, Tom and I are each going to take a, a handful of notes as we go through these episodes and, you know, we, we, we have our show notes here, so we just kind of throw a few things in, but, you know, we may be going off script and we're just going to kind of talk off the cuff and, and, and make this happen. So, you know, some, we'll, we'll kind of weave in, I think kind of reflectively some historical discussion on things on, on either, you know, relevant topics in terms of what they're doing and what their environment is kind of what period of time 
within the war we're in because this this covers a few years uh, actually. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see where things go. We'll see where things go. Uh, but definitely, we hope that you will join us for our next episode, which will be the first official episode. That'll be episode one of Dispatches from the Front, and that one will be reviewing Curahy, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's see here. Our our official Random Chatter closing, uh, please do send us your feedback. We did uh, set up an email address for this uh, show. You can reach us at dispatches at randomchatter.com. So you can also find us online and and really spread the word about this podcast, whether you know folks that have never watched Band of Brothers and you think they might enjoy it or enjoy the podcast, or if you know folks that you know were fans of the the show and really need a, a reason to watch it again or just listen to to something that that's fun walking back through it, let folks know uh, let your friends know you can find us on Twitter at random chatter. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas L, L as in Larry, Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R. And then Tim you can find at Qui-Gon Tim, Q-U-I-G-O-N-T-I-M-M. You can find all of our shows at randomchatter.com, the full menu. And we'd really appreciate it. If you enjoy what you're listening to, leave us a review. You can do that on iTunes and Google Play. And just to reiterate, tell your friends about us. I, I started listening to some of these podcasts because folks talked to me. Somebody like Tim you know, reached out to me. And that's all it, that's all it takes to bring somebody into the family and, and spread the good word. It sure does, and it's a big help. I, word of mouth is like the best thing for podcasting. So um, I do also want to let folks know where you'll be finding us. Um, we are setting up our, our own feed uh, for the show here. And you will also get us on the Random Chatter. If you subscribe to the Random Chatter Network feed, which gets you every show uh, across the network, uh, then we'll also be part of that as well. Um, we definitely appreciate some support, and, and, and we also like to have folks join in on the discussion and interact with, with people from across uh, the entire network. Some financial support definitely helps. Uh, you can find more information on that at randomchatter.com slash Patreon. And uh, just a dollar a month gets you access to our Discord community, which is um, basically just like this whole series of, of online chat rooms. And we have different rooms in there. We, we, As I mentioned, we have a room set up for dispatches. We have rooms set up for our other shows, so for Random Chatter, for Echo Base. Uh, for movie rampage for 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 the other ones that we have and then there's also like topical uh rooms set up in there as well so if you want to talk about star wars as a whole or you want to talk about the solo movie or you want to talk about movies in general television shows food alcohol uh all sorts of good things (laughs) there there are uh there there's rooms for like everything and we add rooms on a pretty regular basis because someone will say hey i want a room for this and so one of us will add a room if you are a little reluctant to commit and you kind of want to see what's going on there, uh, you can head over to randomchatter.com slash Discord, and that will actually get you into a public lobby that we have set up in Discord. And that's where a lot of the discussion does happen. Um, and so we have our hosts, we have a lot of other listeners and, and, and Patreon subscribers that um, have discussions in there and such. And so you can you know kind of join in, see if you like it. 
Um, and if you do, you can, you know, like I mentioned, throw us a buck a month and that will get you access to the rest of the channels uh, within Discord. The contribution levels do go up from there. You can go to $5 a month, $10, $15. If you really do like the stuff that we do across the network and uh, we, we give back to everything that you contribute. So with every level, you get not only what was uh, offered at lower levels, but then you get new perks. Uh, you'll get access to exclusive content, uh, early content. We are uh, the great thing about Discord is that it does some interface with Twitch um, and some other platforms. We can kind of do some uh, live online streaming, uh, video of audio, that kind of stuff. We might actually do some uh, live uh, live studio audience recordings of of our podcasts in in video. And uh, we're going to have some movie nights where you can actually jump in and, and watch a movie along with us and get, you know, stupid voiceover commentary from the likes of <laughs> Eric and myself. And I'm sure we'll con Tom into jumping in here and there, too. So um, it'll be a good time. It'll be stupid. And I'll have like a bottle of wine as we do it. Because that always adds to the fun, um, and and every dollar that you folks contribute to the network helps the network run. It you know keeps the proverbial lights on. We have uh, you know web um, web hosting fees, data storage fees, all that kind of stuff that we need to support, and uh, and it makes a big difference. So we appreciate it. Uh, so that's that. Uh, again, folks, we hope that you will find a means to to watch uh, Band of Brothers or rewatch it if that's the case with us. And uh, we expect to do episodes roughly every two weeks. It's, you know, based on schedules and such, but that's what we're going to kind of try to hold it to. So please join us in about two weeks for Curry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>